This is from Justin McCain, a podcast where Mike Robertson and Bob LaRue watch one critically acclaimed film and one terrible film and talk about how they are the same. Sometimes the past should be left to memory, to gather dust within the covers of recorded time. In 100 years, I'll have my revenge on your great-granddaughter. Whoever finds the secret of the South Sea Queen will live in great danger of a soul. Oh, yes, I will. But how is she to know? Meet Tanya, an American anthropologist who travels to Indonesia in search of truth. Oh, oh. What she finds is that the legend of the South Sea Queen is more than a story. It is her fate. Oh, God, I need a woman! <laughs> a tale of possession, revenge, insatiable desire, and an evil that will not die. Thank you. woman cannot die because she has the spirit of the South Sea Queen. So I knew the South Sea Queen has reincarnated. Where is Erica? Where? Damn, she got bit! But don't worry. I'll protect you. How you doing? Let's go. But yeah, Sound of Metal was amazing. It definitely should have won Best Picture, I think. Agreed. I I feel pretty strongly. The whole time I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, this is way better than Nomadland. Yeah, I know. And I know they're different films and blah, blah, blah. But just from a impactfulness standpoint, Sound of Metal had a lot more to say and do. And also, Sound of Metal is of the Derek Sion France kind of family of filmmakers, it sounds like, so... Yeah, I can see why it appeals to you for that reason. Well, and it, it said special thanks to Derek Sion France in the credits. He wrote, the, he came up with the idea. Oh, really? Well, let's talk about it in the pod. Oh, I guess you have info. Yeah, like who the hell directed this and shit? Oh, let's. We can get into it. So, oh, well, uh, should we introduce the show? Yes, Jesus. we've we've never done this before, so we're just trying to find our footing <laughs> here, people. Um, hey, everyone, welcome back to. From Justin and Kane. What's up, Mike? Uh, nothing. Nothing's up. Just having a chill-ass weekend. Yeah, I'm looking at Mike through Zoom. He's lounging on a bed in some lingerie as we mm-hmm. uh, record this episode. Uh-huh. 
He's he's making uh, very sexy eyes at me, which is kind of a nice little detail for everyone at home. Come hither, eyes. They are called. <laughs> 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 Holy shit. I love it. Okay. Uh, what are the two movies we're doing? Oh, yeah. So the two movies are 2020's Sound of Metal, mm-hmm. which is the good movie in our podcast. Yes. And then uh, Lady Terminator. From 1989. Yes, from 1989. It's an Indonesian film. Yes, it's called, actually, it's called Lady Terminator or uh, Pembalesan Ratu Pantai Selaton. I do not speak this language. I don't, I didn't say it right, but it means Revenge of the South Sea Queen. So there's three titles for it. Yeah. So um, apparently this is an iconic bad movie also, which I did not know about until I saw this movie. It's a cult film, and it did really well. Like it's it's been in multiple festivals and stuff. Um, after its release, like right, it's right. it's sort of found a resurgence, especially in the aughts, the early aughts. Yeah, people in the post the room world, people become obsessed with trying to find the next kind of dumpster fire, dumpster fire that is so fun to watch. So this yes, is kind of I would say this is of that same ilk as the room, maybe. It, it is, and it was fun. Like it, it's especially fun because it's almost like a drinking game to be like, how many scenes are almost shot for shot the exact same scene from James Cameron's Terminator? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but they just have a strange context and they really force it. Like they're really, really forcing it. So this came out like two years after the uh, original Terminator, the first film. Yeah, but before the second one. Right. Right. Um, it actually, well, it came out in 1989 in the United States, but it was released, I think, two years earlier in just Indonesia. Oh, so like Terminator was a big hit and then they made a remake parody slash whatever it is kind of movie. Well, actually, right I have a, so it's, it's part, it's called a mockbuster. Right. Oh, of course. So, so a mockbuster, also known as a knockbuster or a drafting opportunity, um, it's, it's a film that just exploits the publicity of a already existing film, but they try to release it at the exact same time or just after the release of the original film. Right. And they often share nothing in plot, but they'll have similar design um, for like the cover of the film as well as the title. Mm. Um, and it, it like, you know, I think troll two is a good example because troll two was a mockbuster of uh some other movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of examples, but it's, they, they try to release it and literally, wait, let me read this thing. So it's a, a film created with the intention of exploiting the publicity of another major motion picture with a similar title or subject. Mockbusters are often made with a low budget and quick production to maximize profit. Unlike films that are produced to capitalize on the popularity of a recent release by adopting similar genre or storytelling elements, mockbusters are generally produced concurrently with upcoming films and release direct to video at the same time as the real film reaches cinemas or video outlets. Yeah, right. Uh, a mockbuster may be similar enough in title, packaging, etc., in hopes that consumers confuse it with the actual film it mimics. But their producers maintain that they're simply offering additional products for consumers who want to watch additional films in the same subgenre. Yeah, so, so it's I, really I... just, you know, it's dumb. There's like a famous company called Asylum that makes mockbusters, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, I think That's they right. are responsible for Sharknado, but they uh, made like Transmorphers is a big one where yeah. they basically just did Transformers, but you know, it's Transmorphers this time. It, it's like when you see cereal in a grocery store and there's like the real cereal, it says Cheerios, and then it'll be the fake one and it'll say Lupos. Yeah. Or or circulos or you know just something stupid or like Fruit Loops and it's like, um, fruity hoops, fruity you know hoops. just shit like that. Well, um, yeah, Paul Newman's Numinos are I guess kind of like a mockbuster cookie. He the man's a fraud. He truly. You is. heard it here, people. Paul Newman's a fraud. Um, but Numinos are delicious, they as are, I've yeah. been told by Mike. The official cookie from Justin DeCane, I'd say. Yeah. You know what? If you're not listening to this episode and you got a nice crisp glass of uh, Fago and some uh, delicious <laughs> Numinos to dip them in, you just don't. You know, you're 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 listening to this podcast wrong. Yeah, it, it, Numinos pair really well with Fago <laughs> while listening to from Justin Decay. It's a great it's a great experience. I mean, tell me more about Lady Terminator. 
Oh, sure, sure. Let's start with me. So it's released in 1989. It's an Indonesian film. Uh, the lead actress, Barbara Ann Constable, yes. is not an actor. So she was like in Australian penthouse. She was like a model. She like posed nude for stuff. She was a dancer, not an actor. They offered her this film. They told her that it would only be released in Indonesia, and that's why she took it. Mm. Um, they lied, and it was released internationally, and so it became this cult classic that she never hoped would happen, but it did. She only took it because she's like, oh, that'll be nice to just have a film in Indonesia that no one will ever see. It's strange. It's the only movie she ever did, but here are some uh, fun quotes. She only took the role because she was told that the film was for local Indonesian market only. The whole script was very weird when I read it, and to boot, it was a ripoff of Terminator, which was a massive American film that had great acclaim. I felt that there was no harm in doing such a film for the uh, local Indonesian market if it gave the people there some thrills, but come on, it's not like uh, it exposes me in the best light. If I was going to do a film for the international market, I would have uh, only done it willingly if it was a credible script and had some decent actors and actresses in it. I understand Lady T, which we should start calling it, uh, has become a cult film in the U.S. and U.K. and other European countries. But I think that this has happened due to the sheer insanity of the film and therefore its comedic entertainment value. Nice. Um, good analysis of the film. Uh, yeah, she broke it down pretty good. The film has nothing to do with Terminator plot wise, but there are multiple scenes that are almost verbatim the original film. Well, it's weird because she's, is she a robot in the movie? N- uh, no. Oh, okay. No, she's a sea, she's a sea monster or like okay. a sea, sea lady. Cause there's a scene where she kind of cuts her eye out, like in the Terminator. Exactly. Well, that's why this is such a stretch, right? Because it's, it's like, uh, it's, they, they, they shove these scenes into a film that has nothing to do with anything that like from the original Terminator film. So it's. It just doesn't make any sense. And that eyeball scene was the most, like, that was the biggest stretch. Because she cuts out her eyeball, washes it underwater, and just goes, like, right back in. Just pops yeah. it back in so she can shoot lasers. But she's obviously not a robot. She's, like, a demented uh, monster demon from the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are lasers in the context of a, of a sea demon? Who knows? <laughs> um but here's some fun quotes. So on, on the making of Lady Terminator, 1989, she said, everybody was smoking joints on the set. People were off their nuts. I don't know how they got anything done. Um, another fun quote. So she did all of her own stunts in the film. She cut open her foot. They had to stop shooting for a week. She had to get her foot stitched up. Oh, yeah, right. I um, and uh, they just paid her anyways. And they had to take a big break. And she, so she got hurt multiple times, but here's a quote. She said, I had so many near misses, like half car bodies flying and missing me by two centimeters. I nearly got killed so many times during that film. Uh, they filmed it in Indonesia, and there are, like, no rules in terms of safety and shit like that. So obviously they, they could kind of get away with more versus other countries. Right, right. Um, but she also said, and this was much later down the road, she said, uh, I've seen it since with friends over a few drinks and just laughed all the way through it. It's a crack up. People were like, that's you. That's weird. I know. <laughs> so I think her, her relationship to the film started out and it was quite like uh, contentious and she probably regretted doing it, but has since, uh, you know, found a love for the film. Right, right. Or, or has, has like come to appreciate it. Um, there's another quote, which I can't find anymore, but it's, uh, addressing all the nudity. And all she said was, I had no problem with the nudity. I was super young, super hot and super in shape. And I was a dancer and posed nude multiple times. And she basically enjoyed doing the nudity cause she was like so proud of the great shape she was in. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, so that's, good for that's her. kind of a cool take. Yeah. So she, she, she didn't feel, uh, exploited or anything. And even since like subsequent viewings and stuff she's like no i'm into it it's a great like i look great so fuck it basically yeah her i stance. mean that makes it makes sense that that would be her attitude yeah even though it's very gratuitous like almost every other scene basically that she's in she just kind of is getting naked because she has to she, have sex with somebody for some reason and kill them oh so here's a fun uh so so the poster says lady terminator and it's her like stacked multiple times holding an M16 rifle and it's the 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 like 
banner of the film is she mates, then she terminates. That's right. Classic. And it's because um, basically through um, an ill-defined process, uh, penises get ripped off post or mid-coitus. Um, I guess it's because she's the queen of the South Sea, an ancient sex goddess. So, like, she would, it's not dissimilar to, like, mermaids. You know how, like, mermaids can, like, uh, you know, like, lure you in and kill you and try to seduce you? That's basically what she is. But mm-hmm. she's a lady Terminator. She's not a robot, but she does a lot of robot-esque things, like shoot lasers from her eyes. I'm trying to come up with a good tagline <laughs> for the sound of metal that rhymes. <laughs> Uh, like he drums, and then he has no eardrums. That's not good. That's that's pretty good. It's Here okay. is what I was thinking. Uh, like, what is the sound of metal? Well, you certainly can't hear the kettle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's one. Did you see that on a um, poster? People are like, what does the kettle have to do with anything? <laughs> it rhymes. Shut up. I worked really hard on that slogan. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, there there was not a lot of information on this film. I mostly had to glean things from interviews. Um, I do think it's interesting she did this one film and that's it. Yeah. That's kind of wild. That's rare. I feel like most films, people who like dabble in acting will at least, you know, if they have one success and they have like terrible credits after that, they just keep stabbing at it. Well, why was she in more. Indonesia? Uh, she wasn't. She was in Australia and they offered her the movie. Oh, she's Australian. She yeah she she's she's Australian. So yeah, they offered her the movie. She's like, well, I can't say no. <laughs> and I guess they're in the southern hemisphere, right? Indonesia's yeah. in the southern hemisphere, so it's like close enough, you know? Yeah, okay. Proximity wise, like it'd be too expensive to get people from the states. Yeah. Why wasn't Olivia Newton John in this film? I know that's a, a, the eternal question. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if she was offered it and she was like, "Fuck no, mate, I'm not taking <laughs> that role." Uh, wait, is that all the information you have on this movie? That's all I got, buddy. I know, pretty dog shit, but the the Wikipedia page is called a stub because it's so short. It's a cult movie now. It, oh, yes, and it's it circulated like a whole bunch of underground film festivals, and it's really like, it had a resurgence in the, uh, you know, VHS era. Yeah. And it became like a coveted film for a lot of people. And it is in the echelon of great, terrible films. Like, you have The Room... Plan 9 from Outer Space and this film, they're all kind of like in the same category of like shitty but super fun. Who directed it? Uh, a guy named, let me, I'm ju- I'm going to butcher this. So directed by uh, Jute Jalil. Okay. And uh, he's directed like a bunch of uh, Indonesian films, but I think, so like one called uh, Mystics in Bali. Yeah. And, but, but they're all basically like horror mock films yeah and that that was his whole career yeah so this is kind of like the classic thing of hor- uh, bad movies that we talk about that are genre films yeah yeah so so like this film called mystics in bali it's like on the sleeve of the dvd it says the holy grail of uh, asian cult cinema oh, like nice. he, he he knew what he was doing he's famous for supernatural horror films and uh they would always star australians and and then also the dubbing would be done by Australian actors. So if mm-hmm. you heard like, I think a lot of the English would be sort of Australian or they would try to cover it up. I don't know. Yeah. The dubbing in this movie was wild. Like it was all dubbed in English. It seemed like some of the actors were speaking English and then they dubbed it in English and then other people weren't speaking English and they dubbed it in English. And uh, it was, yeah, that was, that's part of the charm. I feel like is that how poorly dubbed it is. Yes, how robotic the dubbing is. It's kind of part Mm -hmm. of the fun. It is super fun. I love the line, we've seen more dead bodies than you've eaten hot dogs, so shut up and eat. Oh, yeah, right. That was uh, Italian chef kiss. That was a great (laughs) fucking line of dialogue. And I was like, what what was it in Indonesian? Like, I'm sure it was something way better than that. Uh, No, that's that's word for word. The quote from (laughs) like that's a that's just a classic uh, idiom in Indonesia, apparently. Oh, oh, I see. I see. But uh, yeah, fun, fun movie. I don't have a ton of information, but it's one of those obscure cult classics that, you know, there are no production notes on it because it wasn't made in North America. But like the plot is that she is like a sea witch. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Let me give a brief synopsis. So there's okay. an undergrad, no, a master student who goes to Indonesia mm-hmm. 
to research. She's an anthropologist of all things, which doesn't necessarily make sense. And she hires a boat because she has to go find this like dive where this uh, sea witch is. And then she dives there, and then the boat that takes her gets flipped over by a giant wave. And then she emerges from the ocean, and she's being taken over by um, the sea witch, but or sea sea goddess. But they depict it by having a snake just like crawl inside of her, and now she's possessed. Yeah, and the sea witch um, is wants to get revenge on somebody in the far future. Yes, okay. so they they so there's a cutscene at the beginning where I forget what happens. Something uh, I watched this movie in two sittings and I finished it today. What what was the first part? Because she's like, I'm going to curse your daughter, your great great granddaughter, or something. Well, he steals he steals a ghost snake from her. I think right. is what the synopsis says. Mm-hmm. And so then the 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 sea witch is like, you stole my ghost snake. I'm going to get revenge on your great great granddaughter. Right. And then. Instead of just like getting revenge on him in the moment, she decides to like just avenge the family. Not unlike it's a super certain similar film. to Leprechaun. Yeah, Leprechaun Two. Yes, a- AKA Deucey Lep. Lep. Yeah. So. Um. So, anyways, and then this this anthropology master student is the great great granddaughter, and she gets possessed, and then um, as soon as she's possessed and becomes this sea witch goddess lady, that's when the Terminator mirroring starts to happen no, the, and just like, the, I thought the great great granddaughter was the pop star that kept singing songs in the movie oh my god really yeah oh that makes way more sense then this poor anthropology student just stumbled into getting possessed yeah it was just kind of accidental oh that's a wrong that's bad place bad time hey yeah oh shit that makes way more sense <laughs> oh my god the whole time I was like why is she chasing this one woman Oh, that makes way yeah, more it's like, sense. Well, it's like when we watched Deucey Lep, it, it didn't make any sense. Why, no. the, why the, the leprechaun was like, I'm going to avenge your great, great granddaughter or whatever. And then comes back in the future and yeah, is just chasing after this random person. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of stupid, but that's, uh, that's part of the fun. Um, absolutely. And there's some great chases and honestly, the action is not bad. No, there was actually some pretty good action scenes. I was surprised. And like cool explosions. Yeah. Considering how slipshot it sounds like the production was, it's kind of surprising how well done the action scenes are some of the time. And the car chases and stuff. Yeah. It's impressive. Like they put a lot of work into it. It seems like it. Um, Cool. Well, I mean, I can talk about Sound of Metal. Yeah, let's do it. There's way more to talk about with Sound of Metal than this shitty movie we watched. So Sound of Metal um, came out in 2020. Was directed by a guy named Darius Martyr, who mm-hmm. is a filmmaker who kind of has spent a lot of time just trying to get movies made with not great success. But he co-wrote the movie The Place Beyond the Pines in 2012 mm. uh, with his colleague Derek C. in France, who, I mean, directed that film and is known for Blue Valentine and some other movies, I guess. And this much I know is true, the HBO miniseries yeah, with right, Mark right. Ruffalo, which is amazing. That's correct. The origin of the movie is that C. in France had been working on a documentary slash fictional film, like it's, I guess, a fictional film in the documentary style uh, called Metalhead, which it, he was basically filming like a fake documentary about this is the same story about a metal drummer who goes deaf after his eardrums get ruptured. So mm-hmm. uh, he was filming with a real band called Jucifer, uh, and he started like working on this back in 2009, and it kind of just kind of didn't pan out after a while. So he kind of abandoned it, started working on other stuff. For example, the place beyond the pines, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, Darius Martyr, which is Hans Franz's friend always liked the idea and so he's like you know what can i take this one and so derek seen franz gave him the idea and let him run with it so he wrote it with his brother abraham yeah so they made this movie over the last couple of years very very small budget and they filmed it in boston mm-hmm. uh also a large number of the cast members were actually deaf and from the deaf community and martyr would uh, prioritize working with actors who kind of had connections to the deaf community. Uh, for example, Robert Duvall was supposed to be the character Joe who helps mm-hmm. um, Riz Ahmed's character 
uh, in the at the deaf camp or whatever it is that they're at when he's mm-hmm. in deaf rehab, I guess. So Martyr himself turned down Robert Duvall, even though Robert Duvall wanted to be in it, and chose that Paul Ratchi guy who I guess was nominated for best supporting actor. Oh, was he? He was great. Yeah, he was really like, good. Yeah, he was astounding. I oh oh that one scene when he tells him to leave. Yeah, yeah. Oh. He was so good, and it was really understated. Like, it was such a subtle scene and so powerful. That could have been Robert Duvall. Tom Hagen. I don't think, I don't think it would have sung the no. same way, you know? Yeah. No, exactly. So he was kind of, yeah, Robert Duvall was kind of passed over because he didn't really have any sort of connection to the deaf community. Because I guess Darius mm-hmm. Martyr, his grandma, I think, was deaf. Mm. So he had some family connection to the story or he right. had experience with it. So that, I think that was what kind of drew him to it. The film was produced by a film production company called Caviar Film Productions, which one of their movies was called The Rider by none other than Chloe Zhao from Nomadland. That's right. That's right. And also worked on Nymphomaniac by Lars von Trier, which kind of makes sense because there's like a very, you know, stripped down uh, aesthetic to the film. Mm-hmm. And Darius Martyr also came out as saying that he really was into like the Dogma 95 movies, like Lars Ventures movies and, you know, Thomas Vinterberg's. Yeah. So he was really inspired by that. So it, you can really see it in this movie, I think, just kind of how stripped down and natural light it seems like it is always. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the movie was kind of tough to make because finance people kept pulling out of the movie. So even while they were in the middle of shooting, somebody would pull out and then he'd just have to call in favors. Uh, and it was... Yeah, super low budget, but and he insisted on shooting in 35 millimeter film. And, you know, when he did the concerts, like actually have real crowds there. So I don't know. Uh, it is a very highly regarded film, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, but not as highly regarded as Paddington 2. Nope, nothing will touch Paddington 2. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh. yeah, one more thing. Uh, yeah, Riz Ahmed, the actor who did a great job in the movie. He is not deaf, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not sure of his exact connection to deaf culture. But he 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 trained for the for eight months for the film, learning American Sign Language every day for a couple hours, and then spending a couple hours doing drum lessons, mm-hmm. and then you know doing uh, other actor things like acting coaches and like exercise and stuff. So get in shape. So he spent eight months he, like getting prepared for this film. Interesting. He was amazing. Like, yeah, he was really truly, good. truly amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, his performance was astounding, I thought. He just really fucking nailed it on every level. Maybe the first similarity, in a way, is like the the lead of both films had to do a lot of preparation to do the movie, whether oh, yeah. it was deliberately or not. So so like I I think Barbara Ann Constable was a dancer like through her whole life. And I think you'd have to be a dancer to do all your own stunts and stuff. And so in a way she had to yeah. do a lot of prep, similarly to how Riz Ahmed had to do, you know, eight months of prep for uh, Sound of Metal. Yeah. So maybe I mean, that's, that's true. That's the first one, you know? That's yeah. That's the first one. Yeah, so both movies, as uh, as we kind of discovered, are like a revision of a previous work. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, Lady Terminator takes uh, the story from Terminator and adds Lady to it, uh, and then makes it about a sea witch instead of a robot from the future. It's a sea witch from uh-huh. the past, but it's a revision of the Terminator story. Uh, similarly, uh, Sound of Metal is a revision of like the Metalhead movie. Which uh, Derek C. and Francis right. make. So they both kind of took an older movie that either came or came out or didn't come out, and then they're like, hey, I'll, "I'll remake this." That's a good one. That's a good one. Both films require the main character having, or not the main character, but characters having to hold something in order to do their job. So as a drummer, you have <laughs> to have drumsticks, okay, to be a, a yes. death metal drummer, and uh, the guy protecting. Um, well, actually, all the guys have to hold guns in order to fight off the Lady Terminator. And Lady Terminator uses guns as well. It's her job. It's, it is her job. Her job is to, to late Lady Terminate. She, like, is going after this pop star and then shooting a machine gun and stuff. And it's like, it's a living. <laughs> it would be fun to intercut, you know, how uh, Liam Neeson and Taken is, like, protecting a pop star. Yes. 
It'd be fun if you could like somehow try to cut both films together so that Liam Neeson is doing all the fighting against Lady Terminator. Wouldn't that be fun? I feel like you could cut it up. I feel like there's enough tiny, there's a way to tiny do little it. edits in Taken franchise. Like him jumping over a fence 72 like him times. Up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you have another uh, similarity? Oh, yeah. I mean, in both movies, uh, there's overconfidence that causes problems. Right. That happen in the future. So in, you know, Sound of Metal, he doesn't take care of his ears while he's drumming. He's kind of very confident that his hearing will be there with him forever. And then it goes away. Mm-hmm. And then in um, Lady Terminator, um, yeah, the guy at the beginning very confidently steals a ghost snake, that old chestnut, <laughs> from the sex witch. And then, uh, uh, of course, as one should expect from that situation, his great-great-granddaughter is cursed. So, Yeah, that's a good one. Both uh, have a couple who are on the move. So Ooh. you've got the band. They tour in a bus. They're doing shows every night in different cities across the United States. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you have uh, this couple running from the Lady Terminator in the film Lady Terminator. Yes, the titular and, Lady Terminator. Yeah, the titular Lady Terminator. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's. It, I, I would also say both films have like a meta relationship to metal, okay? Okay. So metal isn't a physical substance. It is a genre of music in The Sound of Metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, dare I say, it's a reference to the sound, the electronic sound, once he uh, gets the uh, implant in his head yeah. so that it uh, goes around his hearing canal. And uh, so that's sort of like there's like a meta relationship to metal in both senses. And then in Lady Terminator, they're, they're referencing a metal robot, but she isn't metal. She's uh, a sex witch goddess yes. from the ocean. Exactly. Yeah. There's like a meta yeah. relationship there because... They want to convince you that she's a robot Terminator, but they're not going to go that far to say she's a robot Terminator, even though she shoots like electricity and stuff. Yes. Yes. And speaking of electricity, I mean, sound of metal, uh, when he gets his implants, he's kind of like has sound kind of electrically uh, going into his skull, which is kind yes. of how he hears it. That surgery scene was very hard to watch. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty grim. It was- it was visceral and, uh, you know, the way they built the film, like, as it was happening, it's just like, you knew that was the wrong move. Yeah. For for him, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, ugh, ugh. And he's taking the bandage off? Yuck. <laughs> I guess both films have a very sort of um, scenes with a, a intense uh, gruesomeness. Well, also, somebody manipulating one of their senses. What? Like, uh, Lady Terminator, she cuts her eye out. Oh, and right, like polishes right. it in the sink or whatever. <laughs> well, you, I, I dare I say both of those are surgery. Yeah, exactly. I she guess does. the eyeball, I love, they like, she pulls it out. She's like cutting. Yeah. And she just pulls it out, plops it. She doesn't place it in the water. She drops it in the water and it goes plop. Uh-huh. And then she just puts it right back in there. And, and then she blinks and she's like, 2020, baby. Got a 2020 vision. Got to clean your laser eye. Um, I know I do. I know you do. Your yeah. laser eyes looking a little dusty these days. Oh, then you notice. <laughs> um, yeah, and then also, in the sound of metal, like he gets ear surgery, right? So his like yeah. senses are being manipulated via some sort of surgery, just as she does her own like homemade surgery, I guess, on her eyeball, as one yes. does. Yes, and both scenes are gruesome. Yes. Oh, definitely. Um, and both films also uh, sort of have a reference or a direct depiction of an M16 rifle. So um, all of the characters fighting in Lady Terminator are using M16 rifles. Mm-hmm. And the guy who's like in charge of the deaf community where Riz Ahmed's character goes to learn sign language and like learn to be deaf, he is a Vietnam War veteran. And he lost his hearing at the war, and the standard issue rifle was an M16. Right, right. <laughs> Good connection. <laughs> yeah, that one was loose. I was like, this is a stretch. Let's uh, see no, how. Those are, those are the best ones. Yeah, yeah. Really, really specific and also irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's how I roll. Uh, both films are about transformation and adaptation. Because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously he tra- transforms his life after he loses his hearing. And then she transforms from a archaeologist into a a lady Terminator. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but then also he adapts to being deaf and then she adapts to the uh, future uh, world uh, because she's a sea witch in a archaeologist's body. She is adapting right. to the future world that she doesn't mm-hmm. really know anything about. Both films have, uh, you know, people who are horny for each other. Yes. Okay. And so there's <laughs> lots of horniness in Lady Terminator, but, you know, uh, the band, they're also a couple and they cohabitate in an airstream. Hmm. And, you know, there's a couple scenes where they're spooning and one can assume that they would get, you know, uh, they're, they're sexy on every once in a while <laughs> in the back of that Airstream. So, uh, y- yeah, there's another similarity. Is are So are Airstreams like a thing? Um, yeah, they're like, they're, they're coming back. Are they? Yeah, they're, they're quite hip. A lot of people who want to do like van living will like build an Airstream out and oh. make it modern on the inside. I guess these characters are no no different than uh Nomadland. They're kind of Nomadland characters kind of. Um in a way, the two characters are also nomads in uh Lady Terminator cuz they can't stay in one place for too long cuz the fucking Lady Terminator will show up and start shooting lasers and electric bolts and bullets and lots exactly. of bad business. Also, both movies are about the music world kind of. Cuz mm. a pop star in Lady Terminator. Right. Right. Sound of metal, obviously. Uh, both films also have a character out of their element. So Riz Ahmed is out of his element. He he needs to acclimate to like being deaf and like how how to get by and communicate. The pop star is not used to guns being chased, <laughs> someone attempting to kill her. Um, and so yeah, take that. Take, <laughs> that's the best one yet. In both movies. Yeah, yes. haircuts are central to the vibe, if I can say. Yes. Because yes. Riz Ahmed's character has an iconic blonde dye job in the movie. Yeah, which also uh, Ryan Gosling has in The Place Beyond the Pines, mm. another sort of like, I feel like Derek Cianfront's DNA, it's like bleach blonde tattooed guys is kind of like a thing in that whole you know school of cinema. He loves... He loves them tips frosted. Yeah, yeah. Big, big uh, <laughs> frosted tips fella. Well, I mean, I mean, if and you, tattoos and if, a smattering of like poorly done tattoos. If you look up Darius Martyr and Derek Sean Franz beside each other, they kind of look like, I mean, I guess they don't have a lot of tattoos, but I don't know. They just look like the type of guys who would write characters like that. It's like, oh, they got to have frosted tips. Darius Martyr kind of just looks like a dad. But like a Gen X dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, does he have tattoos? Let me see. No, he's got very hairy arms, but no tattoos. Uh, and anyway, anyway, so uh, like <laughs> the the frosted tips, very iconic part of the sound of metal. Yes. Uh, and then in Lady Terminator, it's all about the mullets. Everybody's got a mullet. Right, right. Actually, there was a review. Um, let me see. There's a review I want to read really quickly about this film. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. So Cliff Dorkson of the Chicago Reader called the film the kind of movie best randomly discovered on cable at 4 a.m. Yeah. But if you dig guys with mullets, director H. Uh, Jute Jalil has some serious treats in store for you. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and it's so true. I mean, the, the mullets add to the fun. Yeah, it seems like a... It should be called Mullet Terminator because she's terminating all these mullets. I mean, yeah, she's she's yeah, she's definitely subtracting mullets from the world <laughs> uh, and hot dog eaters. <laughs> um, uh, I don't really have too many more. Uh, in a way, I would say Sound of Metal is kind of a mockbuster in that it was like very low budget version mm-hmm. of a of another movie. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of already talked about a little bit, but yeah, it, it was true. like another movie that Derek Cianfrance made, and it was like a cheaper version of that, mm-hmm. uh, made with actors. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, you know, we discussed Lady Terminator's a mockbuster. Um, and there, were, I think, actually, I don't know what the budget was of Lady Terminator. I couldn't find that anywhere, but I assume it was made pretty cheaply. They were probably both extremely low budget films. Both films. I don't know if I said this already, but both films have a couple being put through the ringer. Mm-hmm. Just really being tested, you know, like it's a tumultuous time, a lot of, you know, sort of trials and tribulations that they have to endure. And uh, that's sort of the central focus of both films. Mm, good, good. Yeah. Uh, both characters, both of the main characters, I guess, of both movies stop at nothing in that, you know, Lady Terminator 
kills everybody, uh, mm-hmm. has sex with everybody, just kind of mm-hmm. does whatever to accomplish her goal. Similarly, he wants to get his hearing back, so he sells literally everything he has to get his mm-hmm. hearing back. Like he mm-hmm. gives up everything he has, uh, even giving up the comfort of the like deaf rehab center that he's at. Yeah, and and his solidarity and his solidarity. Yeah, so. yeah, because he was like having a good time there. He was enjoying himself. Oh, and he was he was he was like people were benefiting from him being there. That yeah. scene, you know, like when he has the party, he's in France and he's at the party, and everyone it it just that was such a beautiful illustration of what he had turned away from. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he's like, I want to be, you know, quote unquote, like I was. I want to be normal again or whatever within his eyes. And he realized that it just wasn't going to work. Yeah. You know, and that party scene was really sort of gut wrenching because of that. Because you have the scenes where he's with the like school kids and they're all playing and having fun and everyone's learning. And the school teacher was like giving him flirty eyes and stuff. <laughs> and then um, and then in France, he just realized like he can't communicate with anyone and he's not feeling whole anymore, mm-hmm. even though the thing he was chasing, he got, and then he still didn't feel better. Right. Yeah. He, he in a way restored his hearing. Yeah. Just beautiful film. Really well done. This isn't, this isn't our funniest episode. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But, it's uh, like kind whatever. Of, yeah. It's a sad film, but also kind of life affirming. Yeah, absolutely. In both movies, uh, a character says come with me if you want to live so in lady terminator somebody actually says that line the the guy the blonde yeah the blonde guy says it and it's kind of stolen directly from terminator and in Mm -hmm. the sound of metal nobody actually says the line but uh the character joe paul ratchie's character he basically says that through his actions by saying come with me if you want to live he saves uh riz ahmed's character's life i guess you could say both films have a character who uh like, like, uh, if they weren't there, the main character wouldn't be able to survive. Yeah. Or like change, you know. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of a that's like a major plot similarity and character similarity between the two films that uh, is crucial to both films working the way they do. Agreed. Agreed. Um. Oh, frick! What else do I have? Both films have very loud noises. So metal is very loud. <laughs> And uh, noisy, and uh, there's lots of explosions, guns, people dying, also very noisy. The sound of metal. One might say, yeah, there's a literal sound of metal in Lady Terminator and a proverbial sound of metal. Yeah, they blow up metal. Yes. And they crash cars, also metal. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or half cars, according to the lead actor of Lady Terminator. So there is the sound of metal in Lady Terminator, but is there Lady Terminator in the sound of metal? Ooh, good question. I mean, no, there isn't a Lady Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a metaphorical one? No, I'm trying to think. There is a Lady Terminator in the sense that I don't know that they're ever able to like be a band again. Yeah. You know, and and that his perspective has shifted, and I don't know if he wants to live in the world of wealth and opulence in France with his lady. Yeah. So know? his his girlfriend and bandmate terminates the band. Yes. So she's a lady terminator in a way, I guess. I think I think she is. So there she we go. She is the lady terminator. So both movies kind of have a titular thing in the other movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. a good one. There we go. That that took some serious work. That was a collaboration. That was wow. Look at you and me, huh? The lady Terminator kept wearing different outfits. How? Where was she getting these clothes? Yeah. And does Lady Terminator sweat and have bo if she's like a sea we- a demon witch? Uh, I don't know. Does she uh, buy? Does she go shopping? Does she have money? A lot of questions. How does she eat? Does she Good need question. to eat? Probably not. I think she's like a mortal or something. Yeah, like a well, like a demon. Yeah. Um. Well, okay. Uh, uh, I still feel very strongly that Sound of Metal should have won Best Picture. I agree. Yeah, I think it was um better than Nomadland by a long stretch. I, I went into Nomadland thinking like, wow, this film will be like just a revelation and it wasn't yeah. and i no. and then sound of music i had zero expectations and it just 
you know, it, it, it rocked my world. You called it Sound of Music. Oh, Sound of Metal. <laughs> I mean, Sound of Music's a great movie, too. Oh, I wonder if there's a lot of similarities between Sound of Metal and Sound of Music. Should we have done that instead? Two good movies? Yeah, I mean, she, she, is a, uh, she comes from a different world and joins another group of people. So mm-hmm. you now instead of the deaf camp, it's the Von Trapp children. Right, right. She teaches those people some things. And then while she's there, she also learns a little bit about herself, not unlike Santa Metal. That's true. And the Lady Terminator in The Sound of Music is fascism. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Spreading throughout, uh, where are they? Bavaria? or Bavaria is where Werner Herzog's from. Really? Yeah. So it'd be great if everybody talked like him in The Sound of Music. <laughs> uh yeah that'd be great good night farewell to you and you and you <laughs> the dore mi songs sung yes. by uh Werner herzog <laughs> oh legendary oh my god Ugh. um i will say maybe we should talk about the sound in both of these films and how they're exactly polar opposites the sound is so specific and well designed in the Sound of Metal, not mm-hmm. music, metal. And uh, and Lady Terminator, it is the sloppiest shit show of sound you've ever heard. The sound's all over the place. The volume, probably a mono track. The dubbing is terrible and all over the place. Uh, and it kind of sounds not as bad as A Talking Cat, the VO and A Talking Cat, but kind of in the same category. Yeah. I mean, you could... Not, you, not bathroom echo, but like... Still pretty shitty. You could say that there's a connection between the two films in that uh, there's chaotic sound in both. Like the sound design is chaotic, you know, in its own way. Totally. And the sound is sort of viscerally upsetting in both films. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, Well, that's a good one. Lots of kind of bad music. Yeah, bad sound mix, bad dubbing. um, And maybe that was intentional. Both films were shot on film too. That's correct, yeah. Yes, yes, that's a weak one, but I said it anyway. Oh, I mean, so, yeah, it is, it is weak, but it is also true. I think it's it's not weak if one of the films is like very recent and shooting on film is a you know an obviously deliberate choice, whereas they they had no choice with Lady Terminator. It is wild how far away we've gone from film in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I watch a movie that was shot on film, now it looks so old. Mm-hmm. It looks old. You're right. It, it does like kind of look it's weird potato-y. and old. Yeah. Well, you were saying when you watched Sound of Metal, you um you 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 felt the visual like it was low, like uh, it, it was, wasn't a clean looking movie. It was yeah. It was eye, a bit. Right? It was a bit, was gritty looking, but we also watched it on Hoopla. Oh oh, which, that's which right. is like the video streaming app that the library kind of has connection to. So we didn't. And pay, they probably have we the didn't pay to watch quality. it. And yeah, mm-hmm. it was probably like a 720p resolution you know blown up to 4k so it was a bit so potato yeah but and it was I still watchable crave yeah and it was in 1080 bumped up to 4k and it looked great it was yeah. beautiful i yeah. probably should have waited um yes you should have but, but the 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 i thought the cinematography was just very beautiful and yeah. um uh sound of metal I thought the cinematography was kind of fun in uh, Lady Terminator. Like they, they really pushed style. Like they, mm-hmm. especially scenes where the Lady Terminator is like by herself and naked for no reason, and they yeah. would light her in a really sort of moody, contrasty, a lot of blues, steely yeah. blues and stuff. And that was kind of fun. It was kind of of the era. Like that's yes. kind of how a lot of movies were lit in the eighties. Mm-hmm. They were like, yeah, "Hey, we like just lighting discovered that's color." Unmotivated. Yeah. And really, I mean, they're polar opposites in terms of approach visually. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the lighting was very seemed very planned out in Lady Terminator, whereas yes. yeah, it seemed like they just kind of were using available light for Sound of Metal a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. big part of Sound of Metal that I loved was every time he had to go up into that little room and like write in his diary, which was part of like his rehabilitation there. Hmm. Uh, he had a donut on the table, and that donut looked good. It did. Did you? Um, <laughs> did you? Would you have smashed the donut, or would you have smashed it in your mouth? I would have smashed it in my mouth, or I would have smashed it like, you know, when people say I'd smash. 
I would I smash would, that donut. Uh, <laughs> oh, I want a donut now. Yeah, that donut looked great. I the loved donut looked the, really good. He's like, I'll have coffee on for you and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's great. What a solid he's doing for uh-huh. this character. Just like nice donut. And also, it's so bad for you. Eating a donut every day with your fucking coffee, that is not a healthy routine, but also, whatever. But also, I guess another similarity, donuts in um, donuts in Lady Terminator off screen, because I'm donuts are implied when there's cops, I guess is what I'm saying. Totally, totally. I think I think hot dogs and donuts are in the same genre of food. Uh, go on. And there's plentiful hot dog in uh, Lady Terminator. In fact, there's, well, there's more dead bodies than hot dogs, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of hot dogs, so shut up and eat. <laughs> um, and, you know, similarly, I think maybe uh, Riz Ahmed is told to shut up and eat his donut. Yeah. And, you know, it's like instead of eat your vegetables, it's eat your dang donut and write down on this paper and yeah, start healing, you know, and, and the cops are shutting up and eating hot dogs and they're they're fighting crime. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I was like, where do I get a donut like that? I really want that donut. For some reason, you, I was obsessed with the donut when I was watching the movie. Interesting. I didn't even think about it at all. I was just like, hey, he's really, that donut's holding up pretty well after getting fucking smashed. <laughs> it's like holding its shape. But I guess it's the type of donut. It's not like the deep fried donut. It's the baked donut. The, oh like, yeah, thick, but the thick buddy that's got to yeah. get dunked in the coffee. Oh, uh, oh yeah, donuts are so good. Oh my god, should we go for donuts after this? Holy shit! Yeah, that'd be good. Um, I, could cru- I could crush a donut. What's the what's your, what's the best donut? Uh, I mean, I love me a honey glazed. Sounds good. Just your classic honey glazed, but I also like that white one, like the powdery outside and the and the and the jelly on the inside. Mm. And also chocolate dip is good. I love me a chocolate dip, and then an apple uh, uh, cruller is also great. And technically not a donut, but at Tim Hortons they sell them. With oh, donuts. there's a honey cruller, and then there's an apple fritter. Apple fritter is what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah. Honey cruller, not good. Apple fritter, absolutely delicious. Wow, you you have betrayed me <laughs> um what's the worst donut uh do- not the honey cruller that's the one of the best you've betrayed me i actually think one of the worst donuts is the jam filled ones really interesting yeah, they're yeah. hard to eat I'll, I'll i'll admit that but some things are worth fighting for mike some some but a good donut sometimes is the the just the ones that's like thick really doughy doesn't have any sort of like shit on it stuff on it yeah it's just like yeah just a classic round hole, classic donut. <laughs> Eating my donut on the toilet. <laughs> hey, pass me another donut so I can eat it on the toilet. Uh, yes, that's good. That's good. But uh, yeah, those are good donuts. I also like the one that he was eating in the movie. I was like, ooh, that looks good. Where it's like big, pillowy, and it's got a lot of sugar on it. Yeah, like a good but sugar it wouldn't donut? be overly sweet. You don't want like so you 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 like a little more savory donut. Savory donut. What's a savory donut? Well, no, just because that donut he had wasn't a super sweet donut. That's like your classic donut, the old school like 1930s American donut is is like baked, not fried, right? And uh, it's meant for dunking in in coffee. Hmm. And he didn't do it. No, he's he's he he dunked it in his fist, but he didn't dunk <laughs> it in his coffee. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, but it still looked good. I don't know. I just, uh, I thought it was a, I guess because of the low res video I was watching, maybe. It was so pixelated. Yeah, probably, I thought yeah, it was a sugar the resolution. Donut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a sugar donut because it was so low resolution. Yeah. That's what it was. No, it's, it's like your classic cake donut. Yeah. Uh, but like not super sweet. You ever go to take five and here in Edmonton? No. What's that? It is a old school, like uh cafe kind of styled donut place oh like you know sm- if you imagine like a, d- a donut place in a small town yes where you just go into a place and they sell donuts like you ever been to the donut mill in red deer oh you you bet your bottom yeah so it's like that but uh here in edmonton where where is it is it it's, good? On, it's on 10 it's 118th ave and in 50th street however i think maybe because of the pandemic or, or just coincidentally they uh are going out of business now Oh shit! Really? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, fuck. So they might, but they might have been bought by somebody. I don't know the full story. But anyway, Take Five is you, a great place to just get some like good classic 
like old school Donut. donuts that are not Tim Hortons. Because I'm like, bummed out. Yeah, what are the what are the donut options you got? And in, in, well, in, well, you're in Edmonton. We got donut party, I guess. But yeah, but those like big like party donuts are ridiculous. Yeah, they're good, but they're a bit yeah they're a bit much. They're a bit extra. But you you know when you just want a donut and a coffee? Like imagine he's like getting up to write in the notebook, and it's like a fucking giant donut party, and there's like cheesecake on top of the donut, <laughs> and then on top of that is like a a Dairy Queen Blizzard ice cream cake. Ooh, that's you're like good. what? This is one donut, and it's like, yeah, buddy, start smashing it with your fist and start writing in this book. And I, I cuts himself on a piece of Oreo on his ice cream cake donut. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then the Oreo is the Lady Terminator of the film. Then I just want to bring it back to Lady Terminator. <laughs> it didn't really work. That was a failed attempt. I'll admit it. That was rough. That was a rough go. Uh, do you ever do you like Boston cream? We're just talking no. about donuts now. We're not talking about the <laughs> movies lo- anymore. <laughs> I loathe Boston cream. I think that's the worst donut. Wow. Fucking disgusting donut. Mm, wow. But I, so you so you'll you'll eat a filled donut. I I, I like filled it's donuts, just but be only creamy. it's gotta be creamy, like Boston cream is good. Or it's you gotta would. be filled with whipped cream. Like you get a long I think they're called long johns, maybe. Oh long you know what? I'll eat a long john. A long I'm john a filled long with, john. Uh, with icing or with uh no, with with whipped, whipped cream. cream. Oh but yeah, yeah that's good. But I will not eat, no, like a Boston cream that like, that's like donair sauce, but sweet <laughs> and for a chocolate donut. I don't want that. Like that texture of uh, like, ugh, that no, creaminess I'm not into it. you don't like? Yeah, that, that creaminess is gross, but I'll do whipped cream. Okay, okay, okay. Good I like my know. cream whipped. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I prefer a whipped cream to a Boston. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad we agree on this. Should we... I, maybe this is a good way to round out the episode. Maybe we we describe each character, well, not all of them, but like the major players in each film as what would they be if they were a donut? Mm, okay, sure, go for it, yeah. <laughs> oh, you seem not into it. No, I mean, I you go first. I'd like to hear. Okay. I'd like, I'd like to hear you do it. Okay, so, so I think Riz Ahmed's character is. He's the donut that he had. No, I was gonna say the donut that he had is the the guy the Vietnam veteran. Oh, okay. Well, he was punching that guy. Then he was. It represented the 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 man. Well, totally. And doesn't it represent like the choice he has to make? And he's like, he'd rather destroy it. You know, like when they're sitting at the table, and he's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm you you look like an addict. Like I'm staring at an addict right, right. now. And him being told that like Riz Ahmed's character didn't want to hear that, but it was the truth. And smashing that donut is sort of symbolic of sort of like he, he has to he's at a crossroads. Right. And he, he 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 can either like live in this deaf community and grow in it, or he can chase hearing again right, and right. his past life, you know. And I think the donut is sort of the instead of a Y shaped, you know, a fork, it's a circle because life is a circle, but then you gotta take detours. Wow, this and sometimes is, you fall in the middle. This is some deep ass donut talk. <laughs> uh, that's the only donut talk I do. <laughs> um, and then I think Lady Terminator would be a Boston cream because I hated the Lady Terminator and I hate Boston cream. Mm, okay. But the the main cop who's protecting the pop singer, he's a Long John. Of course he is. Yeah. And then the pop singer is uh, a Timbit, the the confetti cake Timbit. Yeah, confetti cake Timbit. Mm, that sounds good. Yeah, um, I'm also really hungry as of recording this podcast. Holy well, you shit. live fairly close to a Tim Hortons. I do actually, three three blocks away. There's a yeah. Tim Hortons. Um, I'm not going to go. I have some self control. Good, good. But oh man, that would be good to have some donuts right now. All this talk of donuts make me want to eat a donut. Oh fuck! Are you getting a donut after this? No, I'm not. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Um. Good. Well. We should uh, figure out how to wrap this puppy up. We should box this baker's dozen of donuts. Well, I mean, we can we can go back to the classic saying of "this feels over." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like rude, but also true. And uh, yeah, it does feel over, doesn't it? it? Does feel over? I think we did a good analysis of these two films. We I'm glad we covered Lady Terminator finally, and we talked about how The Sound of Metal was kind of one of the better movies last year, if not the best movie, at least in the running for the Oscars. 
It's a great movie. I think if anything, people should just take away like if you haven't seen Santa Middle, watch it. It's yeah. absolutely worth it. It's an astonishing film. And watch it with like good sound setup if you have it. Either cans over your ears or a nice sound bar or a big speaker situation. Because the sound is 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 like it really seals the deal. It is kind of an, an interesting proposition in that the movie is about deaf people. But in order but to illustrate to that, you have it. to be able to hear the movie to really, really appreciate the film. So totally kind of like a strange mixed bag for people who are deaf. They like can't fully experience the movie. No, that's absolutely true. But but, but I think maybe something that I liked was um, for the majority of the film, they didn't subtitle the sign language. No, that was actually kind of cool. And I was like, oh, that's a nice touch. So that's something like a deaf viewer could sort of like be able to get more out of watching the film than we would for those portions, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there are true. chunks of the film that are like totally silent. Like there's nothing to listen to really. Yeah. So yeah, I, I but you're right. It is a mixed bag, but I loved that they didn't uh, subtitle the sign. Yeah. I thought that was great. Um, Great. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah. And- yeah. And uh, don't forget to follow us on social media at from Justin to Kane with a number two mm-hmm. on Just Twitter. like Mike did before this episode recording. Yeah. yeah. Big number two. <laughs> Big number two. <laughs> yeah. Ju- <laughs> so at Justin to Kane with a number two on yeah. Letterboxd, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And um, also go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five stars, please. Yeah, or four, but not less than that. No, no less than four, please. But preferably five. Preferably five. Just, just feel generous, you know. But uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for listening, and um, that's good. Episode over, I guess. See ya. Uh, bye.